0: Welcome to Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Insight Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us.
1: As US inflation in 2022 climbed to its highest levels in more than four decades, and consumer sentiment plummeted to a near all-time low, LEK set out to discover how consumers and businesses were responding. We ended up conducting two surveys, one with over 2,500 consumers and another with more than 300 consumer-focused business leaders across 16 consumer subcategories. These businesses covered B2B, B2C, and D2C go-to-market strategies. In this episode, we'll discuss a couple of things. First, how are consumer businesses responding to inflation? Secondly, what businesses are prioritizing in the face as inflation pressures continue? And third, nuances across subcategories as we think about how consumers and business leaders are reacting and prioritizing or pulling back their spend. My name is Emil Santos and I'm a partner in LEK's consumer practice, focusing on automotive and mobility, as well as consumer health. Today, I'm joined by my two partners, Rob Hazelhurst and Claire Davies to provide some insights on these topics. Rob, Claire, could you introduce yourselves?
2: Thanks, Emil. Um, This is Rob Hazelhurst speaking. Um, I am a partner also in LEK's consumer sector with a focus on automotive, uh, on the home, and on entertainment. Uh, and do a lot of work around consumer-led growth strategy and working with businesses in that space to, to help them grow.
3: And hey, everyone. Um, my name is Claire Davies. I'm a, a partner in the consumer team here at L.E.K. as well, based out of L.A. Um, and I spend my time primarily focused on the food and beverage side of the consumer landscape, but also spend time in beauty personal care and um, direct consumer businesses as well.
1: Excellent. Uh, Well, first, I wanted to dive into how badly consumer business leaders are feeling the impact of inflation. Rob, when you look at the studies that came out, uh, or the the results from the survey, what are some of the key messages that came out?
2: Yeah, well, it'll come as no surprise that this is a top of mind uh, topic for business leaders. We've really seen inflation at both the wholesale and the retail level um, in upper single digits for for months on end now. Um, And we've been hearing about it in the news, we've been seeing consumers react to it. And even with some of the pullback over the last few months in headline monthly numbers, uh, inflation remains absolutely at historical highs. And the actions of the Fed to try to contain it are just driving up interest rates, which in turn uh, are putting pressure on businesses in other ways, which is still ultimately driven by this inflationary environment. So when we did the survey, um, 90% of the businesses that we we heard from uh, said that they were experiencing material inflationary impact to their business. Um, and that really is true across sectors of the consumer economy. I think particularly uh, food and beverage businesses uh, were feeling a very high level of impact, uh, as actually were um, automotive leaders, um, although the impact there uh, was was variable depending on where they were in the cycle. Um, some of the more discretionary durables and health and wellness products were, were sort, of, sort of seeing the least impact from inflation, but still some level of materiality. It really is affecting everybody.
3: Yeah, that's true. And and just chiming in from a food and beverage perspective, Rob, I mean, that makes tons of sense, right? We look at the, the food at home inflation data that we've seen come out. And the last 15 straight months, you know, up to the end of 2022, we were seeing increases in inflation. And the food at home inflation was, you know, also outstripping the food away from home. But the food and beverage sector had been massively impacted from inflation. I mean, they've been hit on all sides. They've been hit by the The things that other sectors have had to deal with. So, you know, the the rising labor costs, the energy prices, the supply chain snarls, the the incredible overseas freight prices that we've seen. Um, And then you've seen, you know, things like Ukraine um, also impact supply of a lot of um, commodity foods. But on top of that, you know, they've also had to deal with the the closer to home impacts. Um, so the, the droughts that we've seen in the U.S., the avian bird flu, and all of these things have really impacted across the food and beverage landscape, but the commodities in particular, which, you know, you have as your staples in your kitchen, you have as ingredients into other foods. Um, so things like eggs, dairy, fruit and produce, bakery cereals etc have been have really impacted so you can see how the the consumer is, is feeling the burn um, as well as the on the business side
1: yeah I'm clear that that perfect storm dynamic that you're talking about you know, i think was also true on the auto spend from the work that we've done uh, and it, it's pretty interesting often auto is a category that acts a little bit more like non-discretionary spend but the price increases last year um, were, were really severe on two fronts first was uh, just the incredible growth in fuel prices that I think we all felt at the pump. And, and in some ways, that resulted in outsized perception of the cost impact. Uh, but that came hand in hand with a confluence of microchip shortages, supply chain disruptions, um, and you know, really some of the widest asymmetry we've seen between new and used vehicle inventory and demand, uh, which was just a, a, led to really a roller coaster of new and used vehicle pricing uh, with, with extreme inflation. Uh, combined with with low sales as well, um, which which I thought was very interesting. Uh, Claire would love to hear a little bit about how these sector reactions at a business level uh, relate to the impact that consumers are feeling uh, when we get their feedback.
3: Yeah, and and when we compare the two surveys that we do, did the the, the trends are really similar, right? So consumers are seeing the biggest impact from inflation across those non discretionary, you know, frequently bought, everyday kind of categories and the top two categories impacted are food and beverage and and gas and auto parts and upgrades, right, to that auto space. Um, I think uh, over 55% of respondents reported material, you know, impacts of inflation in these two categories. But I I think what is interesting in that study is also the nuance around um, the the differences in the demographics um, of the consumers that we surveyed. So, um, we looked at, um, you know, from from age um, and also income levels and you see um, some interesting trends there. So across most of the categories, um, the impact of inflation was proportional to um, an individual's income level. But there are a few exceptions, right? So things like restaurants, home improvement and, and rent um, were three that kind of seem to be impacting groups more uniformly. Um, but there are generational differences as well. Um it was interesting why everyone is clearly feeling the pressure. Um, more than half of millennials and, and Gen Xers were, were, were sort of really feeling it in a in a bad way. And a, a lot of those, right, are juggling kids. So they've got mortgages, so they're really feeling the pinch, um, whereas the Gen Zs and the boomers are slightly less affected. Um, so when you think about it from a business perspective, obviously we've got the the, the category lens that we were just talking about, But you also got to think through, you know, which businesses are targeting which consumer demographics, because those targeting those ones that are most most feeling the pain are are probably being disproportionately affected as well.
1: Yeah. So, Rob, as, as you think about some of the feedback that we heard from the business leaders, what are some of the specifics in terms of how inflation is impacting businesses specifically?
2: Yeah, so businesses have really been impacted across their um, income statement, but it's it's really the cost of goods sold that we've seen the most significant impact. So, 83% of businesses in the survey were were significantly or moderately impacted on their distribution, logistics, and freight costs. Um, Claire mentioned this earlier, but it's it's understandable given the cost of overseas freight, um, the the price per container. Um, going up from 3,000 to 20,000, as an example, and other elements around um, shortages in um, trucking and, and logistics that, that really has driven that up across across many, many consumer businesses. Um, But it doesn't end there. Uh, It it kind of started there. But but actually, almost as many businesses have seen uh, labor costs increase, um, which is good news to the employee. But from a business perspective, um, all of those incremental um, bonuses and and, um, wage increases have, you know, which reflect labor market tightness and a low unemployment rate has just added to um, rising wage plesh- pressure, and a lot of those those costs are, are now baked into those businesses' um, income statements going forward, irrespective of what happens to uh, inflation going forward. Um, the actual underlying costs of raw materials, the, the, the sourcing of, of products was, was also very significant. Um, almost 80% of, of uh, our respondents pointed to those. Uh, that would include... In the impacts of sourcing disruption that you talked about in the automotive space, Emil, um, as well as price rises down the chain that kind of rippled up uh, and, and went through, and and really, um, the multiple you know businesses are having to think about you know do they should they be switching suppliers should they be changing what they use in order to to really find stable and affordable supply. Um, other costs were certainly in there but really those those were the top three in the work we did um and what that's leading to is executives are looking for for ways to offset those rising costs So really reaching for um opportunities to both use technology to redesign models to to change their business needs to um to become more efficient while also at the same time um passing a lot of that price on to onto consumers
3: yeah and that's a good point um rob obviously you know they're very focused on on the cost side but businesses are laser focused on the on the revenue side of the equation particularly around pricing so how can they pass through the price price increases through to consumers how can they optimize their pricing architecture and, and balance those margins you know how do they make sure as they pay, push through prices that their, their volumes you know remain um, stable um, and, and in many cases developing new offers at attractive price points so thinking about you know innovation and, and price pack architecture. Um, but I think it was very clear in the study. Actually, the pricing power was the the other big theme really coming out of it. I think we saw almost seventy percent of respondents feeling that their pricing power had either you know moderately or significantly impacted them. Um, so they've been focusing on this cost pass through and and focusing on how they can use pricing as a as a lever um, to offset this this continuing inflation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth it's worth coming back and and noting or reminding that um, you know this. While all the businesses are feeling it, the extent to which different businesses have the ability to do pricing changes or have the are exposed to particular particularly large swings in costs, it really does vary by sector in the, in the broad consumer economy. So, um, Emil discussed earlier the automotive space. It's a great example. Those those supply chain shortages of new vehicles and changes in consumer patterns coming out of COVID has, has just put unusual pressure on the supply chain for vehicles, supply chain for parts, um, and that. You know massively rocketed up prices now some of that has um subsided now, but as you think about the the lasting impact on other parts of the the supply chain and p and l um, you know you really you really are seeing a, a world where that that market has fundamentally changed um, on the other hand, some of the non discretionary categories like uh, pet products or health and wellness um, and personal care products they're seeing a little bit less impact overall um, they've had the ability. Because consumers regard them as, as so important, uh, those, those manufacturers have been able to pass on costs, haven't seen big dips in sales as a result of that, um, and have been able to kind of manage through this inflation to date. Um, obviously, with such extreme numbers, though, it's only a matter of time before consumer patterns do change and maybe they trade down into a different brand or, or other things. So while the consumers are willing to absorb price increases you know, to, a, to an extent, um, businesses have to be very thoughtful around, you know, how do they value engineer their products to ensure that they don't have to rely on the consumer constantly putting their, their hand in their wallet.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's a good point, Rob. Yeah, you know, I think when we looked at the business survey, it suggested that consumers in the non-discretionary categories have been more willing to absorb cost rises or those pass through pricing that Claire had mentioned. Claire, how does the feedback for the consumer survey reflect that um, in comparison to some of the more discretionary areas?
3: Yeah, it's it, the findings actually tie rather well across the two. Um, I mean, I mentioned before that consumers are seeing less of the inflationary impact on those non-discretionary items that they that purchase, you know, the health and wellness products, the sporting goods, the fitness, etc., versus those non-discretionary, everyday kind of guys like food. Um, so that kind of ties between the two surveys, um, given that, you know, those non-discretionary business leaders are seeing less of that impact. But to your question, it's actually interesting to see sort of four kinds of buckets of behavior depending on the, the subcategory. So the first of those is suck it up and pay. <laughs> so like rent, utilities, you know, consumers have got less control. So they're just having to, to pay, pay more for the same. The second, though, is that non-discretionary items like the food and bath the, the daily household items where we know, right, they're feeling the most pain. And for those where consumers are seeing the higher level of inflation, we're seeing them react differently. They're choosing to trade down. So as as Rob mentioned, there's ways of doing that, right? It's lower price brands, private label, cheaper channels like Costco, Walmart, et cetera. And so we're seeing that kind of trade down behavior. Um, Interestingly, pet actually falls into that category. So People still need to buy their pet foods and pet goods, but they're you know starting to cut down a little bit on the on the price levels. Um, the third is those discretionary items that we've just been talking about, like the electronics, the fitness, the home improvement, travel, etc. Um, so in those, the survey are showing that people are are continuing to pay, continuing to buy their same brands. Um, they're remaining loyal, um, and they are you know they're not trading down to to lower price items, but they are instead trading out, should we say. So they're they're buying a little bit less, but they are absorbing the price increases. And then you've got the other bucket. So the the health and wellness, beauty, personal care, it's kind of spanning that gap. People are reacting differently, a bit of trade down, a bit of buying less. Um, But interesting to see how the different subsectors kind of have those different dynamics.
1: Gotcha. So that kind of covers what's been happening if we look at it from the rear view, but we're still in the midst of ongoing pressures. And we'd love to hear some of your thoughts around what we can expect out of future behavior uh, from businesses as they face this inflation. Rob, do you want to share some thoughts there?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think when we talked to the executives in this survey, I think what came back was quite similar to what we we see around the industry and what we work with with our clients. So they're leaning pretty heavily into prioritizing initiatives that will help uh, navigate these uncertain waters. Uh, we talked a bit about that, that sort of ability to pass through pricing. So no surprise that actually the first two initiatives we've heard about really tie into, into pricing. So the first one is, is as simple as that, like pa- passing on prices and just trying to recover and maintain margin. The second one is, is what I think of as price optimization. So how do you think about the portfolio mix that supports the best possible profitability, but maybe that doesn't involve a, a, an active price increase to, to the consumer? They're taking action on the cost side, though, too. And the, the third and fourth initiatives we've heard about was, was certainly a lot of focus on the opportunities of automation and process redesign to reduce the labor requirement burden and ensure that they don't have exposure to both the cost of that as well as the uh, the, the risk of uh, key employees not being around and, and not being able to meet customer needs. And then critically supply diversification. So that the cost that they're paying, how do they keep those down?
1: Got it. Could you double click a little bit into some of the specifics on, on each of those four areas that uh, executives, you know, we're, were talking about, um, tactically doing uh, from the survey and, and from the conversations we've had?
2: Sure. No, absolutely. Um, so on the, the pricing side, I think what I point to here is that you know analysis and understanding is key. Like just a simple, you know, margin increase and hold hold the margin and pass through the same percentage works at times, but doesn't work at others. It's really important that. The businesses think through um, what is their product mix, how do they increase profitability, um, how do they think about areas where they have a bit more room versus key price signaling items where they have uh, less ability to move price and need to stay competitive. There's also things that we see um, businesses doing around using Using the increases in price coupled with um, programs to think through customer loyalty rewards discounts to ensure that you know they're able to to get the maximum price but but use use this as an opportunity to to restructure and take share as well and and ensure that they're they're rewarding and, and getting the most from their loyal customers um at the same time there are things that they're able to do around product re- product reengineering around thinking through um, what is the um the structure of the product they're selling. Are there are there new SKUs? Are there are there new elements that would allow them to meet the same customer need, but potentially at a at a lower price point, um, or at the same price point but with less cost? Um, I think specifically, then that leads you into this kind of pricing architecture point, and you know, really, it's it's critical that brands and retailers th- you know, think about not only just increasing the price, but also recognise the the economic pressure on the cost-conscious shopper. Um, so what we're actually seeing, as well, in, in addition to increasing price where they can, um, looking for opportunities to have opening price point products or to participate in a different way. And Claire mentioned the you know, Costco and Walmart and some of the the club and mass channels. Are there does this put pressure on on brands to be in places where they were not historically? Um, they're looking at the sort of architecture of uh, individual um product lines and in some cases simplifying, in other cases, you know, creating those opening price products. Uh they're also, you know, looking at the the broad portfolio and you know, whereas through a lot of the the COVID period, uh you know, a lot of the consumer focus was potentially more on sort of everyday luxury and, and convenience and willingness to potentially pay a little bit more because of the, the higher income that they that they had not spending in other areas. There's a little bit more focus on how do we um, develop products that, that kind of fit the consumer need today? How do we think about um, portion size um, and overlaid on all, all of that trends like um, sustainability and how do we think about minimizing waste for the for the in the supply chain and for the consumer um, moving on to the cost side, I think um, you know the this labor technology and automati- automation piece is really critical uh, obviously it doesn't happen overnight, but retailers and consumer products have been working for a long time around thinking through you know what what they can do to evolve their way of going to business. And you know this has really acted as a as an accelerant to that. So activating programs they already had in place, investing in technology, investing in some of the little things around just a a process change or or a high level piece of um, off the shelf technology to to drive um, a short term change, while also rethinking about the long term and and preparedness for the future as as you think about. Automating and, and pulling labour out of their their processes. That said, that's all happening at a time where um it's it's really important to keep and engage the employee base that we have. Uh, unemployment is still at all time lows, and so it kind of paradoxically we're also seeing uh, a lot of companies focus on reducing that turnover, on managing um, and engaging their teams to to both manage cost, but but also ensure that they're not going through the same sort of um, People turnover that we saw during during 2021, uh, and and the sort of hidden costs that come with that. So so focusing on their people, focusing on um, efficiency, and building the best with the team they have. Um, and then moving into the the cogs and the sourcing element. Um, I really it's to return to to best practices as you think about the the supply chain and really spending time not not focused just on who can get me the product. Um, the quickest and who can get me the most, but but thinking through who their vendors are, um, you know what their deals with vendors are, how to get better pricing, um, ensuring that you know in some cases I think you're seeing a willingness to get back into uh, longer-term arrangements that that maybe fell out a little out of favour during the the scramble for suppliers in COVID, um, and just try to f- diversify and find new suppliers with this sort of shock reminder of. Of kind of some of the fragility of their business uh the you know the need and to to go forward and, and re-engineer it and I think that stands to set these businesses up for long-term long-term success not just around navigating the next few months but should mean the um the consumer economy comes out of this in a stronger position than it went in
1: got it so when you think of of these thoughts in total what did we th- learn about you know the top strategic priorities for 2023 specifically it sounds like some of these are for near-term impact and others for more long-term sustained advantage.
2: Yeah, I think um, the near term is going to win in that debate. But if you can do both, then uh, then certainly businesses would, would want to do that. So specifically, more than half of the surveyed business leaders have actually already done something on price for 2023. They've already taken at least a price increase or, or worked on re-engineering it. That said, many of them don't believe they're finished and that still leaves um, almost half that haven't yet. And so we think that there's you know, significant further room for price engineering. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean increases. That means finding the new, the new place in the market. Um, so that prioritization, that SKU rationalization, really, really driving the best revenue to cost ratio that they can. Um, some of that supply chain uh, piece is going to be pretty achievable over the course of months rather than years. And so focusing on diversifying supply chain, just ensuring that they're not overpaying for um, the versus competition for the price of the products they're buying. I think some of the the technology things we talk about are are certainly in the mix, and I think a key priority for the CTO's office and many of these uh, in many of these businesses. But you know, probably right now with interest rates where they are, there's there's less less willingness to spend on the the major capital goods projects, and a little bit more focus on the um, the smaller Process efficiencies and and um, small tools that can can really drive um, short term business while building a plan for for that long term resilience and sustainability. For the some of those
1: price increases that you mentioned, yeah, what does the future look like for those? Do you guys think they'll stick?
2: Yeah. So most executives we talk to, we ask we we ask this question because you know you, you kind of would would like to think that when a, a product increases in price and then the, the raw material decreases, that, that that's passed through to the consumer. Um, most of the executives we surveyed said that they're going to try and maintain those price increases um, even if key supply chain costs fall. And there's a there's a big reason for that. Remember that, um, you know, the costs aren't just about those raw materials. A lot of the price increases that have happened have been supporting cost increases that are, are likely to, to stick. Um, things like labor labor costs, and I, it's it's very unusual to kind of go backwards on some of those those inputs. At the same time, you know businesses right now are, are going to see um, profit pressure, and and being able to hold on to some of those um, price increases are going to you know is desirable for them as they as they think about their total cycle and and you know, their business and their shareholders. Um, that's it we live in a competitive capitalist economy and you know ultimately competitive action is 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 what they're looking for and you know no no business is going to hold prices in in a in a world where um, competition is is driving consumers away from them so we don't think that changes um, when we look at history you know prices rarely go down we, we're not expecting a deflationary environment post you know post this this shock but you know, we think that once once the pricing pressure is clearly off, and I think I think you're starting to see early signs of that, um, then prices are most likely to to kind of stick and continue with competitive pressure re reactivating at a at a new normal uh, as as it reflects the cost base in the business and and ultimately the the fight for consumers winning out in terms of how businesses think about setting their their prices.
3: Yeah, and I, I'd love to jump in there just from a, a consumer perspective around how they're thinking about it. So. I mean, obviously, we're in this this very uncertain environment where prices just keep 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 going up. Um, and you know, when we ask consumers what they're planning to do if prices continue to rise, I think the areas that they're they're likely to continue to cut back on are around the whole experiential piece. You know, eating out, gambling, travel, leisure, entertainment. But you know, when we ask you, know, what happens when it? kind of reverts and well not reverts but settles down and and, and inflation abates. Consumers were very clear that they want to trend back to what they were doing, you know, before. So all of their trade-down behaviors should return, they return to spending on their preferred brands. So, you know, hopefully as we start to see some of this inflationary pressure easing, as we are doing, Consumers will start getting a bit, bit more comfortable and and hopefully we'll start to see that behavior um turning back. But as I mentioned before, a little plug for the for the report here. You can find it on LEK.com. But it's got some really interesting nuances around the different demographics, um, you know, the generations, income brackets, etc. And it's 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 worth a read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for that that plug, there. I'll I'll second it and and also you know suggest that, that folks who are interested. A um, lot of of great insights that came out of there on, on the reports that are on LEC.com. Um, I guess to, to quickly summarize the discussion, you know, it seems like there are a couple of, of key takeaways um, that, that we had, you know, some that we might have expected and, and some that I think are, are quite interesting. You know, first, you know, inflation has certainly impacted consumer businesses, um, but it, it's pretty clear that there are some sectors that have been more insulated than others. Um, and, and the way that consumers and businesses have been behaving in different subsectors has, has also varied. Um, you know, secondly, you know, I think from the business executive side, um, I think there's certainly been an effort to maximize prices, um, but also, you know, I think importantly optimizing that price architecture so that they're not just offsetting costs by passing it through to consumers, but finding, you know, the right mix of of product and offer, um, and price point, um, for their customers. I think the third takeaway I had was around some of those non-discretionary products like food and bev and auto. Um, that have felt the biggest impact as as people have, have been seeing their spend go up uh, week to week, um, and as a result, you know some of those pass throughs, consumers are. It sounds like they're often choosing to trade down, um, or or in some cases trade out. On the discretionary side, it feels like inflation. It, it sounds like it's had a lesser impact on both businesses and consumers, uh, at least in, in the near term. And consumers seem to be absorbing a lot of those price increases, but perhaps in turn reducing volume and. You know, I think you know, we'd all expect them to continue cutting back as inflation or if inflation continues. And I guess the, the last one in terms of, of tactics and you know, how to, to build advantage during the, this time period, you know, it certainly seems like companies that prioritize or optimize their pricing strategy and, and execute that considering the consumer and market trends are going to be really the best position to maintain uh, their price increases once costs stabilize and could even have opportunities uh, in the near term uh, for further further strategic investment. I wanted to take time just to thank Rob and Claire again for your time. Appreciate all of your insights. Certainly, we would like to invite anyone listening here to connect with us more to learn more about the survey and how businesses are adjusting their go-to-market strategies in the face of the current inflationary
0: environment. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by L.E.K. Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.